On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the summer of 1995, I can remember working a summer basketball camp in the morning and then having lunch with my mother. And in the kitchen, we would watch the O.J. Simpson trial every day on television. This was way before I knew what I wanted to do in my life. But even then, I was curious about the corruption at that time of LAPD detectives that lawyers for OJ, meaning Robert Shapiro, F. Lee Bailey, and Johnny Cochran, so masterfully discredited and placed doubt in the minds of jurors And, as we know, the rest is history. It was also during this period of time that officers inside LAPD's Rampart Police Division were most likely committing crimes and corruption. As we come upon the 30th anniversary of the OJ story, my mind goes to another important date, and that is 2002 when journalist Randall Sullivan decided to publish what I consider the best piece of journalism on the LAPD cover-up and the murder of Biggie. I can still remember vividly reading the book and kind of understanding that I wanted to be a reporter, an investigator, a writer, someone who decided to uncover pieces of secrets inside the criminal justice system. In some ways, you can make a case that Randall's work inspired me. It was a pivotal moment in my life to think almost 20 years later that I can call Randall a friend and a coworker is staggering to think about. He remains a hero of mine and he remains a beacon of intense reporting and writing. I will never be able to write as eloquently as Randall. But I will say, my investigative skills have come a long way. And would you believe that I also would become an executive producer of the film City of Lies, which is Randall's work. And it's the title chosen for his book, Labyrinth. So it's a full circle moment. For season two, I felt the need to go back to Randall and have a conversation, get some insight, some laughs. Well, I, uh, you know, I had a book published in June. I probably told you about that, I don't remember, but uh, the one coming out in May is, uh, well, it's about the devil. So I don't know how how it's, I I do think the cover is pretty cool, so we'll see. But I told A24 that there's two movies out of, uh, miniseries on it, but I don't, I don't think they believe me. I wanted to stop here and point something out. 
Biggie and Tupac cases are stories that people get lost in. They get obsessed for many reasons. What I want to make sure people understand is Randall Sullivan is a tried and true author, journalist, and investigator who has written incredible books, not only on Biggie, but Michael Jackson, The Curse of Oak Island. His career will not only be defined by his vast reporting on Biggie, but as a monumental journalistic legacy. The questions I have for you are actually more about your personal opinion and reaction to some of the stuff that I've been told recently. You know, the the first order of business is with this whole Tupac trial and all of that nonsense. Do yeah. you do you get any indication or think that that would inform anything that the LAPD would do with Biggie? You know, I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't see how they avoid, especially if he pushes it to a trial, I don't see how they avoid bringing caving in. And if they bring caving in, then, you know, the subject of Biggie will be unavoidable. And, you know, I mean, I've already laid out publicly all the reasons why caving should never be trusted about anything. And I really think that... You know, if they're going to try to convict Kefi T, then they're going to have to not just put Kading on, but make him an, him an essential witness. Yeah, that is an interesting construct. And um, we both know or feel in terms of credibility how pretty uh, scary that would be on an overall level. The other piece, and I don't know if you know this, but very recently, Suge has created his own podcast from jail. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it... That's amusing news. It's getting, I would say, a viral life on social media. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this, and it's very specific. I think you could make the case throughout the course of these years, Suge has never really commented directly about the Tupac shooting, him being there. He's he's said things like, I'm not going to solve the case for the police, blah, blah, blah. He has come out and said two things very definitively and sort of tongue in cheek in a way where he's basically saying Keefe D has absolutely nothing to do with this shooting. And second to that, Orlando Anderson has nothing to do with this shooting. They've got it wrong. And he sort of like is joking, like free Keefe D. What, what do you feel about that? I know anything Suge says you have to take with a grain of salt, but he is pu- publicly commenting a about that. A whole shaker of salt, I'd say. But uh, yeah, I don't know what you know would motivate Suge to do that, except maybe, you know, you know, not, you know, staying you know, on the good side of the Crips. I mean, you know, Shug's in jail. He's vulnerable. There's, I mean, sure he's got people protecting him, but there's plenty of people that want to hurt him too. So, you know, whatever he says may be, and whatever he does may be, you know, <laughs> aimed toward um, either insulating himself, protecting himself, creating alliances, or just, you know, creating a lot of smoke and mirrors and confusion around the subjects. But 
but that he but that he would say he as if he knows who's responsible for Tupac because if he knows it's not Kefi D or Orlando Anderson or then that says he knows who it is yeah he, he also made another comment um, and I don't know if this was recently but he, he said something to the effect of if you solve one you solve the other you buy into well, that? Well, that is interesting. Well, I mean, you know, look, people always thought they were related. I don't think there was ever any much doubt that, that Biggie's murder was related to Tupac. Uh, and of course, you know, they've tried to make the case. I mean, probably where Sugar's going with that is to point the finger at Puffy Combs, uh, who, you know, is, is, you know, far more. Uh, Vulnerable and and uh, you know I mean you know nobody's going to step to Puffy's defense currently so that may be what it's about that you know he's always been out there peddling the story that that uh, Biggie and Puffy uh, put the hit on or you know paid for the hit on Tupac. So the next thing I would like to to tell you and get your thoughts on you know I. Going back a few months, had a conversation with Phil Carson, and he alluded to the fact that there were some young FBI agents in the in the L.A. field office that were poking around and figuring out mechanically how they could charge or recharge this case, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, of course it does. I mean, that would be the, it's really the only, I mean, obviously the LAPD is not going to charge anybody in the Biggie case. So if the feds got involved, that would be, I mean, that's the only route of access. And, you know, whether they, it could be, you know, charging the LAPD for, you know, in terms of their cover. I mean, I don't know what the particular statutes would be, but the fact that they clearly obstructed an investigation into the case covered up. Uh, all the cops working for death row, all of that. You know, that may, there may be some basis there that I, I don't know what the crime in particular would be of the obstruction of justice and that statute on that would have run. So it's got to be, you know, it's got to be that they think they can make, there's some possibility they can make a murder case. Yeah. And do you think, and this is more of an opinion, at this point, that there still are, for lack of a better word, files, evidence, things that people haven't seen inside of the LAPD still, or they've managed to put that somewhere that people won't find it. Yeah, I think they put it somewhere, you know, very, you know, it's put away as it can be, which is a, a, you know, a steel box at the federal courthouse. The last I heard, that's where all that stuff was. Now, what it's, I don't know why it would have ever been moved unless the FBI somebody got a subpoena but it seems like that would have been public record but it was all sequestered safe uh, at the federal courthouse uh, during the supposed LAPD investigation and it remained there afterward certainly up to the time that Dead Wrong was published it was still there when Randall mentioned the safe deposit box it triggered something in my mind if this piece of information surprises you you didn't hear it wrong. A lot of the files, the Biggie homicide, and what I like to call the Biggie lost files are in a locked safe deposit box. Yes, I'll say it again. 
a locked safe deposit box in downtown Los Angeles. Why? Why? I don't know if you've seen this documentary on Netflix called Trial 4. Have you? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and and what it is is it's it's about a particular case of the of a homicide of a police officer inside of the Boston Police Department. And it goes into the the story of a young African American male who was charged with the murder, but cut to it uh, it was a cover up by this rogue crew of detectives within the Boston Police Department. And you want to know who the uh, the chief of police was? It couldn't have been Brat. It was Bratton. And I, I just said to myself, I said, here is a man who might have been at the head of the LAPD, the NYPD, and, and the Boston PD with some of the worst police scandals that our country has ever seen. And he's sort of anointed as this messiah. Yeah, he probably did a decent job in New York and he, he got to ride a long way on that. But in LA, he clearly was you know, an agent of, uh, of the cover-up in the Biggie case. And I don't know about the Boston thing, but uh, I mean, he's, you know, I think he really felt like he was you know, he'd achieved some really untouchable status, you know, and I mean, he was able to put, you know, his, you know, utterly disgraced second command in LAPD into, you know, a very plum position in Homeland Security. That's how much pull he still got. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison a mesmerizing coming-of-age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown, to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should Payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work, and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next 
paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special. Or you and the wife need a scintillating night out. Every once in a while, at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Now, in, in your in your book, Dead Wrong, you, you did such a, a brilliant job of covering the story of Perry Sanders. Do you think, will there, will there come a time where... Perry Sanders will talk publicly in a, in a, for lack of a better word, unfiltered way about this case? Or is there still a, a code of silence there around all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know what, what, what Perry is saying to other people. He's, I mean, I think he's told me just about everything he knows. So I'm not, you know, I certainly not withheld anything from me that I'm aware of. Uh, Occasionally he's played a cute, but then I always figured out who he was talking about anyway. So uh, I think the only the issue for Perry is you know, his client's privacy. I mean, he and I don't know where he stands with the Wallace family at this point. I've heard various things about that, but uh, uh, I know that he certainly doesn't want to offend them or say anything that you know they would feel he should, you know, he should be keeping to himself. But I think that'd be the only inhibition for him. If I look at the full landscape of the work of the dossier, the piece I am missing would be a wide-ranging interview with Perry Sanders. I have a lot of questions, but I also know there's a very specific and sensitive dynamic that is going on where his ultimate obligation is to the Wallace family and no one else. My hope is that all of this work is utilized at some point in a court of law, whether it's civil or criminal. Well, you know, as you know, the, you know, the time limit or the, you know, the, the clock, you know, has expired like two or three times, but they've come up with other ideas about how the clock isn't yet expired. I don't know. If they've got yet another one, they had the last I heard. The approach was going to be, uh, and I probably was told this not to to reveal too much about it, but uh, it was something to go at uh, the LEP in a different way, you know, more on a failure to investigate claim than a wrongful death claim. That, that that makes a lot of sense um, and continues, you know, to be a mystery. Another character you'll appreciate who very recently also has decided to continue to have his own mouth and, and speak publicly online in videos is Reggie Wright Jr. 
Of course. Yeah. Where, and I know you've done so much work around this. Why do you think he continues to partake in conversations, innuendo? He recently threatened Suge, you know, in a video after Suge had kind of called him out in his podcast. And now these two are going at each other. What is your interpretation of why someone like that would just continue to talk? Is he just an idiot or is there more there there? Well, it's both hand. I mean, yes, he's an idiot, but he has other but he has motives as well. Uh, I mean, he's he 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 definitely felt threatened by Suge and has a lot of animosity toward him Suge and he, you know, but but Suge knows stuff about Reggie. Of course, Shug would have to admit his own culpability, but he certainly knows things that, I mean, had, could tell the feds in particular about uh, various things Reggie did, uh, mainly, I mean, not just mainly, but certainly uh, uh, to hide assets of death row records. And, uh, I mean, that's a for sure. I mean, the feds already know it, but <clears throat> I think that Reggie has managed somehow to play everybody off against everybody else, and that includes law enforcement. He is a, you know, he's an informant slash suspect in all of these crimes. So, and they've, for whatever reason, valued him as an informant more than they've uh, wanted to target him as a suspect. And and so, you know, it keeps him relevant. It keeps him, you know, sort of in the game and, uh, and I think that, uh, really, I think that's what Reggie does for a living now, is is talk to law enforcement about all these related cases. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting construct. If you look at 1994, the early 90s, of sort of the start of Rampart, you're, you're coming up on 30 years of a story now. If you were to look at even yourself or even a young journalist, could you give me two things with time and money and energy that you think either a journalist should look into or you wish you had the time, the energy, the money, the sort of, for lack of a better word, wherewithal to want to go back in? What what would you look at? Well, I, if I had unlimited time and money, if I had people working for me as, you know, leg men or women, uh, I'd say I put Amir Muhammad right at the top because there was a lot of mystery about him. The guy was involved in a lot of things and nobody ever really got to the bottom of it. <clears throat> and uh, so, and, and the, the connection of, of, you know, a certain part of uh, 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 Muslims, uh, you know, the fruit, the fruits of Islam, and, and the one percenters and you know those sort of extreme elements of the nation of islam uh, and his connection i think there's certainly something there but the other thing would be you know the main thing would be uh why and how the lapd how how the lapd was able to suppress this case what did they what did they really use on the fbi to back them off the first time I mean, Phil Carson has his version because that's what he heard and witnessed, but there had to be more. 
going on. And certainly uh, the connection between Bernard Park's daughter, Michelle, and this whole case is there's still a lot more there there than I think I got as deep into it as anybody ever has, but I didn't feel like I went all the way. How do you think, or does this case heading into 2024, does it remain contemporary for lack of a better word? And if it does remain contemporary, why do you think it does? Well, of course it's contemporary. I mean, somebody's been charged, just recently been charged in Tupac's murder. So it's, you know, it's on the table again. There's no way to avoid the connection to Biggie and Biggie's death because, like I said, they're going to have to put Greg Kading on the stand. So, you know, all of, all of that's it. But also, you know, Tupac and Biggie, in a sense, have become bigger stars with the passage of time, bigger cultural figures. I mean, nobody... At the time Tupac was murdered, nobody would have believed he was going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know, or that Biggie would be the subject of, you know... Biggie's murder and Biggie and his murder would be the subject of, you know, movies, television shows. I mean, that he'd be, that it would all be, uh, you know, such enormous cultural impact. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to not be relevant because, you know, it's, 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 I don't know, it's a mystery, but it's also, I think it's proof to a lot of people. That, that the truth doesn't always out, the good guys don't always win, people get away with it. Uh, uh, there are conspiracies, and, and and sometimes they're quite successful, as as in both of these cases, but especially in Biggie's case. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to remain relevant, and there will be people talking about it, writing about it, you know, another in another uh, 30 years, probably. And, you know, between Labyrinth, between Dead Wrong, between Dead Wrong being turned into City of Lies, do you look at your life and career and say to yourself that you have one more book in this? There's one more as a as a as a as a as a last parting note on this or you look at this and say you know what i've made my contribution i've gotten as deep as i can um and it's it's time to you know go right like you said about the devil or you know uh baseball during the depression era well it's not like i want to return to this subject but you know i have to admit if if the right opportunity presented itself, it would be it'd be really difficult to step away because you know there's an enor- there's a feeling of it's not just frustration; it is a kind of loss of faith that that this case represents for me. I mean, I can remember in the very last time I talked to Russell Poole, and it wasn't the only time he said it, but he was still saying it right up to the end, that, telling me that. You know, the truth will out. This will all, everything's going to come out. It will get solved. You know, this thing is not going to be swept under the rug forever. And, you know, it looks to me like it is going to be swept under the rug forever. And 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 that creates a, you know, a distress I, that I've sort of had to, I've had to tell myself all the things you've said that, look, I've done the best I can. I've, I've, 
I've done, I've gone as far as, further than anybody else, and as far as I can go with this. And, and uh, you know, I can't give any more of my life to it, but at the same time, it's unfinished business. If you really look at it as a three-act play, you're sort of list, you're you're kind of missing the last act, right? I keep trying as a reporter and writer to come up with new angles on this case and new pursuits. I've always thought that what will separate the truth from the layers of bullshit is more investigative reporting and more conversations with individuals, officials, and officers who had careers inside the LAPD or journalists who were working the streets at that time. The answers to this case are still locked away, kept in dark boxes. Or, in this day and age, it's being muddied inside the algorithms of social media. But time, it's an interesting elixir. Time eats at people's souls, their conscious. And dare I say, with age comes a reckoning of your life, good or bad. For Los Angeles in the 90s and early 2000s, the underbelly in this mix of soulless pursuits were a plenty. And it is inside this particular time that I keep going back to because this story crosses over into the worlds of politics and police and pop culture. And a time where the intersection and infiltration of the powerful epicenter of gang culture invaded a once sacred police institution in the LAPD. And yet, there remains no reckoning, no last act for people like Randall Solomon or Russell Poole or Phil Carson. <laughs> 